Nestor was a donkey who seldom left her plate Cause no one ever used him in the stable where he stayed Everybody teased him and the other donkeys too They said look at little Nestor, there's nothing he can do Welcome back to the Advent Calendar House. Thanks for stumbling on in like you tripped over yourself like the subject of today's episode, the star of the 1977 Rankin-Bass special, Nestor the Long-Eared Christmas Donkey. I'm slave-driving stable owner who sounds like he belongs on Pirates of the Caribbean, Mike Westfall. (laughs) And joining me are the Advent Calendar House's official Christmas donkey experts, First, an internet pal of mine for as long as Nestor's ears are, it's my buddy Lindy. Welcome. Hi there. How are you? I'm doing spectacular. I'm all studied up for my donkey knowledge. Excellent. We, we just have a straight-up donkey show going on with me. <laughs> <laughs> and secondly is the man who reminded me this existed, it's Brandon Medley. Welcome back, Brandon. Thanks, Mike. Here to be the resident Christmas ass, just like Nestor. <laughs> well, now I gotta keep that in there. <laughs> well, that one works. I mean, yes, ass no, hey, ass. it's in the Bible, just like this story. Maybe not quite. <laughs> but as I usually do with these episodes, I want to start with our own personal histories with watching this special. Uh, to stop motion. Rankin Bass Usual, based on a song recorded by Gene Autry, who also brought us Rudolph and Frosty and a whole cast of other lesser-known Christmas characters that just couldn't catch on like those two, including Nestor here. Okay, while we're on the topic of the song, when was the song written? Because I could not find that anywhere on the internet. Neither could I. I mean, a lot of these are 40s and 50s, so... Because... I wondered, like, did they, like, because Gene Autry wasn't dead yet. I checked that. Did they, like, say, come on, Gene, do it one more time for us. We need another special. That's a good question. Because I've never heard of it. You know, like, it's. (laughs) I tried to look it up, but all the information about this special was about the special and i couldn't find anything about the song you just yeah you just says based on a song but then when you look up the song it references back to the special because i couldn't find a recording of this song other than what came from from the special and 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 i've never heard this playing at the mall no (laughs) no Okay. This just doesn't have that emotional resonance of grandma got run over by a reindeer and all the other <laughs> wonderful uh, Christmas classics. <laughs> well, that answers my question of whether you've heard the song before watching this special. I also definitely have not. I remember catching it on TV at some point in the 80s. I'm not sure. Well, we couldn't have this. This aired in 1977, so that predates all three of us. Yep. So it just was whenever it happened to be on TV and it gets crammed on one of my numerous VHS tapes crammed with Christmas recordings. Yeah, it's just one of those. uh, It's a Christmas special and we have, I don't know how many channels at the time, but like we got X hours of stuff to fill for content that's supposed to be family friendly. So just we got through the Rudolph. We got to save that for like the close to christmas stuff and you know it's a thursday night and i don't have anything else so here's nestor again Here we go. i think that's basically the thought process behind that one 
or it might be in one of those early morning marathons uh, lumped in with things like the life and adventures of Santa Claus. Uh, well, and if or that Rudolph's shiny new year, yes. Previous... Ooh, I gotta do that one. <laughs> well, if being crammed on a eight-hour VHS tape isn't dating it enough, this will. This special is narrated by country singer Roger Miller. Oh, do <laughs> I'm just gonna ask you to this: What is Roger Miller best known for to you personally? Robin Hood. Uh- <laughs> yep. Robin Hood Alana, is definitely Alana the earliest Yeah. Um, I actually ended up getting into Roger Miller when I got older because I was just finding old kind of folksy country stuff to listen to, and I found this awesome live recording of him playing the song which I've previously mentioned, "Do Wackadoo," with this like <laughs> guitarist named Stubbs who was in a Batman shirt, and I'm like, "What?" <laughs> they tell me you're running free. Your days are never blue. I wish I had your good luck charm. You had to do You know, it's just really bizarre. And also, Roger Miller is a fantastic, weird, like country scat artist. <laughs> and, like he just makes the weirdest sounds with his mouth, but it works because he's kind of like goofy but and chummy looking. Yep. And I, don't know, I just kind of fell in love with all of it. I'm gonna have to look him up now. I've never considered looking him up, but. Like when you mentioned that country scat artist, I'm like, yeah, because he does that as Alan Adele, or however you say his name is the rooster. Alan Adele, um, you got it. Yes, Roger Miller is the uh, the rooster minstrel who narrates Disney's version of Robin Hood a few years before this in 1973. <laughs> And because that was Roger Miller, this is also Roger Miller. He posthumously and involuntarily became the voice behind one of the very first internet memes, the hamster dance. Yeah. <laughs> That's my favorite little fun fact every time Robin Hood comes on and someone's like, do you realize that this song's the hamster dance? And it just blows people's minds. <laughs> Oh, the hamster dance. I just, I remember that crashing computers all around just because it took up too much memory to run all those animated GIFs at once, which yeah, how I sad just, is that? There are grown adults in their 20s who don't know what the hamster dance is because they're too young. Oh, man. I just remember people talk, calling that the hamster dance song and like downloading it on Napster as the hamster dance song. And I was like, no, you guys, this is from Robin Hood. <laughs> Because I've always been that kind of nerd. Well, while we're on voices, let's talk about some of the other notable names. We have, of course, the return of the wintry named Paul Freeze. Previously on this podcast, he was Santa Claus twice on both Frosty the Snowman and the first Easter Rabbit. And also the Ice Wizard Zero in that latter. Uh, But here he's Santa once again for about two seconds, giving a ho-ho-ho very briefly. But more prominently... He's two different antagonists. First, he's Olaf, the ogreish stable owner who hates warm hugs and refuses Nestor a meal for not being able to work hard enough to earn his keep. Oh, no food for you, long ears. You don't earn your keep. Always tripping over your ears and smashing things. And then later on, Paul Fries is the voice of the donkey dealer is how it's uh, <laughs> listed on IMDb. <laughs> 
who sells Nestor to Joseph and Mary. You wish to buy a donkey to take you all the way to Bethlehem? <laughs> I have many fine specimens. The ass dealer. <laughs> the stereotyping-looking ass dealer, no less. <laughs> yeah, um, I, when I was watching this earlier tonight, my wife had never seen it before, was watching it with me. And I mm-hmm. said, this guy has a very anti-Semitic nose. <laughs> and he's the only one. He's like the most Semitic-looking character they could have come up with. And like, Olaf has blue eyes, and they have Romans, and Mary and Joseph are super white, and then in comes that dude. And it's like, oh, man. <laughs> uh, well, also in the cast, we have Brenda Vaccaro as Nestor's heavenly guide, Tilly, a tiny cherub with the voice of a longtime smoker. <laughs> I fell off a cloud and spoiled everything. My name is Tilly. Brenda Vaccaro is probably best known from the movie Midnight Cowboy as Shirley, but, uh, and also... I, I know her from Supergirl. From Supergirl? Okay. Yes, yeah, she plays on um, the villain's henchman in oh the God. 1984 Supergirl movie. Wow. Um... Well, for me, she'll forever be the original voice of Ardeth, Jay Sherman's ex-wife on The Critic. (laughs) I feel like she didn't really voice her as much as just give a cold shiver whenever needed. (laughs) Yeah, well. And also, she's apparently Johnny Bravo's mom. Okay. Multifaceted. Also, according to Wikipedia, she was a voice on The Smurfs as Gargamel's young apprentice, Scruple. Which, now that I see that written down, I can hear it. Uh, Nestor himself is voiced by a kid named Eric Stern, whom we never hear from again. He played, well, he played child on Frosty. <laughs> yes, he was a child in Frosty's Winter Wonderland. That's a classic Rankin-Bass move to just use some kids someone knows to record it's a probably body. one of their kids. Yeah. And then we never hear from them again. Because they hit puberty and their voice changes. Uh, Well, yep. Uh, (laughs) But the voice of Nestor's mother is Linda Gary, who has a long list of voice credits. Most notably, He-Man and She-Ra's mother, Queen Marlena. Oh. Uh, We also have Don Messick, the original voice of Scooby-Doo, as a Roman soldier who tries to take Nestor. The emperor needs donkeys. Strong, young donkeys. Show them to me. That's another long list. He's also the voice of Droopy and Boo Boo Bear and Ranger Smith. And you can hear Ranger Smith in, in kind of the Roman soldier voice. Papa Smurf and Hampton Pig from Tiny Toon Adventures. That's just to name a few. Uh, and I'm told by the Internet that despite what Adam Sandler says, Don Messick was not Jewish. <laughs> he was in the uh, Hanukkah song. He was in the Hanukkah song part two, so oh. at that point he had died and there might have been a new voice of Scooby-Doo. I don't know. Otherwise, this is fake news about fake Jews. <laughs> <laughs> and lastly, there's a credit for one of Nestor's donkey friends voiced by Iris Rayner, better known as writer Ines Rayner Dart. She was a writer on several shows in the 70s, most notably the Sonny and Cher show. Uh, but she apparently also wrote the novel Beaches, which was turned into the 1988 movie with Bette Midler and Barbara Hershey. Oh my, oh my God, she's responsible for all sorts of cry fests, apparently. I must say, <laughs> that everyone cries too. That's why I never watch it. I don't want to cry. 
Well, speaking <laughs> of things that make people cry, let's get started. Hey, you know what? I, I want to tell you oh. where I first saw this. Okay. I did not, obviously, like you said, I'm too young to have seen this on its first airing. I do not remember them re-airing this through the 80s, but I think our, my library had it on VHS, maybe like a first early release of it or something, okay. or somewhere. I had seen it somewhere, and then whenever I was in college in ABC Family, like you said, the early morning blocks on a Saturday during 25 Days of Christmas, and they will air these weird ones. I saw it there, and then... I have it on the the Warner Archives or whatever, the made-to-order DVDs that has the Life and Adventures of Santa Claus and this one. Okay, that's on that? Oh, yeah, it was like the Christmas special DVD part two, the one that didn't have, like, all the good ones, like the Grinch and... <laughs> yeah, it was like one of those that's, one. like, pressed to order. So <laughs> they didn't even sell it in stores. My copy of this is on the DVD with The Year Without a Santa Claus and also Rudolph's Shiny New Year. That came as a three-pack, but um, The Year Without a Santa Claus was the obvious headliner of that trilogy. Yeah, yeah that's the set that I have as well. Uh, the, I think that's the biggest release. I don't, th- I don't think it's been released on DVD aside from that, like, in a major pressing since. Yeah, and I think that happened after the... After- like, whenever I bought this, that was the only way it was available. I think that was a later release than I had. Because I bought it for the Life and Adventures of Santa Claus because I needed that for school when I had attempted to teach that book to my class. <laughs> and then I was like, I got to show them the movie. They're never going to understand this. <laughs> you chose wisely. You know what? Uh, getting into these episodes, since we're going to be uh, in a later episode talking about the small one, I'm like... I wanted to get in the mindset of the of like Jesus and or the whole nativity story. So I wanted to see like why would Mary and Joseph need a donkey to get to Bethlehem? So I'm like on Google Maps and I'm like, okay, they're in Nazareth. How long does it take to get from Nazareth to Bethlehem? And I found out there's actually two Bethlehems. One is about like a 20 minute walk away, which I was like, what the hell kind of pain in the ass was Mary where she needed a donkey to walk 20 minutes? She was very <laughs> then, I found, <laughs> then, then I found out the real one is actually 150 like kilometers away. So that's a little more reasonable. <laughs> that's a bit of a hike. All right. I'm glad you did that research. Thank you. Well, we open with... We open very similarly to The Life and Adventures of Santa Claus with Santa leaving the North Pole on Christmas Eve. And then we're left to talk to Spieltoe, Santa's donkey, voiced by Roger Miller, who's in charge of hauling toys and the all-important job of pulling Santa's snowplow. <laughs> and he says, he says, who do you think does these things? You know, them, like the elves. Well, you know them elves, like the lazy SODs or something. You know? He <laughs> like, says that a few times. Like, you know them elves. <laughs> yeah. he's donkey, he's like hardworking, so he's got a bag on the elves because they like, they've got union breaks and they sleep at night and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but of course, you know, like, even though this is one of the few Rankin Bass specials that ties Christmas to Jesus, they still got to tie it back to Santa Claus because he's the real reason <laughs> for Christmas. They always have to tie they even, every character they into just, Santa. They don't even, even just tie it into Santa. They tie it into Santa and Rudolph, the true reason for ranking yeah. that. Right. 
Even the Easter Bunny comes back to Santa Claus in their universe. <laughs> he does. <laughs> well, Spieltoe explains Christmas Eve is a quiet night off at the North Pole, and on his guided tour of the stable, he shares with the reindeer, he points out the stable's nativity scene, saying its donkey did not look like that. Uh, and then he tells the tale of his own ancestor, Nestor, who lived in the days of the Roman Empire. And Nestor's story starts out a lot like Rudolph's, with everyone making fun of this abnormality, quote-unquote, through, uh, though, during the animal celebration of the winter solstice, which happens, one other donkey apologizes for being so mean to him. Yeah, um, when this movie started, <laughs> um, my wife, who had never seen it before, and had lots of good comments on it, was watching with me, and as soon as it got to the big ears on she's like, is this like Dumbo, for, but for Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, it's more like Rudolph, but for Jesus. But The funny thing about this farm sequence is it follows that Rankin-Bass thing of, like, they can't animate a crowd. They just have to animate everyone standing in a line to laugh at Nestor. Like, they laughed at Rudolph. <laughs> it's a perfect line, too. They laugh at him, and then they all kind of turn in unison. It's like synchronized swimming, but it's synchronized bullying. <laughs> There's also, all, throughout this whole sequence, and especially once the Roman soldiers come in, mm -hmm. um, watch the dog. Oh my god, that dog is so And the donkey breeder, or whatever we call it, you know, gets pushed down. He's sitting on top of the dog. And throughout this scene, like, the dog looks up several times and makes this like, oh, I'm in pain face, but never a sound come, <laughs> never comes out of him. And it's the weirdest looking thing. And he's mm. throughout every scene... And I, then I just found myself watching the dog. It's it's a scary-looking dog. There's a lot of animal abuse in this first ten minutes between the dog and Nestor getting thrown around like a football. And then his mom gives him those socks that she said the, somebody's wife had thrown out. I was like, she gave him trash. <laughs> that was her nice gift, trash. She's a donkey. <laughs> she doesn't have thumbs. You gotta be nice to her. <laughs> no, the, I, this... Seeing this barn scene with the dog and, like, the super Aryan Olaf dude, like, I want to know where the heck Nestor is supposed to be, because they give that brief history lesson where they show the map of everything, but then they show this very, like, Nordic-looking setting with a winter storm and then this blonde-haired, blue-eyed dude and his dog named Thor, which I imagine in the Roman times... Uh, Thor wasn't probably really widely known outside of the Laplands, so I'm kind of curious as to how far away Nestor really was. Yeah, because I was wondering the same thing, Wendy, because when I started this, it had been a while, a couple of years since I watched it, I kind of forgot how it started, but I know he winds up in Bethlehem, so I'm thinking it's set in in Israel, you know, and I'm, so then when there's this blizzard, I'm like, you know, I'm not really familiar with how the winters are there, but I don't picture blizzards like that. But then they go all over, and it gets into some of this weird Rankin-Bass geography that Mike and I have discussed at length before. Um, <laughs> we have. And they go all we over can, the place. We can get to the uh, montage as the show goes on, because that montage is fantastic. Yeah, yeah the montage yeah. really, really started hurting my brain trying to think about the geography of it all. Well, yeah, the, the winter solstice, and Nestor's mother gives him the socks, and... Uh, his newfound friends have now apologized and sought forgiveness from him. So this is the best day of Nestor's life. Until the arrival of the Roman soldier who says the emperor is in need of strong donkeys. 
So he chooses a bunch, including Nestor, who doesn't want to leave his mom, so the soldier grabs him by the socks on his ears, which come off revealing the long ears. As the soldier accuses Olaf of trying to fool the emperor, and as punishment takes all the donkeys at no charge. And this is really sad here, too, because the donkeys are talking about they're making us slaves. They're taking us away to be slaves. Yeah, well, and uh, the Roman soldier himself says, as he kind of makes them move along, he's like, come, slaves. Yeah. Long live the emperor. It's just, wow, they're really not mincing hairs here. Romans were bad guys. You know, they were like the Nazis of the olden times. Yeah. Just a convenient bad guy in movies. I mean, not like they're trying to specifically kill a race right. of people. No. Punch Roman soldiers. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Um, I, I learned through my fiance that uh, donkeys are still used in the military. The Marines have a specific unit of donkeys that they keep just in case they have to do mountain missions. So uh, <laughs> glad to know that it's a historical thing that they've been using them for a long time. <laughs> I feel like if I had to join the Marines, that would be where I'd want to be stationed, like hang out in the donkey stable. <laughs> it's not a bad place to hang out. Well, Nestor's mother escapes to go find him in the blizzard, and Nestor's ears pop up out of the snow. She finds shelter and uses her body to keep Nestor warm and safe. But next morning, we find him crying in front of a large mound of snow where this tiny baby donkey has had to bury his own mother. I thought that was actually kind of a touching way to do it that was, like, sensitive to children, because you can't really show, like, a frozen corpse of an animal. Yeah, <laughs> no, that was like, the best like, way they could possibly do it. Yeah, I no, won't repeat what my wife said at this part, but it it gets really dark here. Like, because <laughs> we were kind of joking, and then she's going to freeze to death. I had forgotten that she freezes to death. <laughs> yep. It ties into the whole, like, Christ imagery thing, so, like, they're just going for synchronicity there. It does. First they go for Rudolph, and then they jump right into Jesus. Uh, <laughs> and as winter turns to spring, Nestor begins hearing the whispers. And out of the sky falls Tilly the Cherub, who says something to the effect of, I'm supposed to be inspiring. And she and is that, not like, inspiring, except for inspiring nightmares. She is a freaky looking angel. She's almost as scary as the way to describe angels looking in the Bible. Well, she's a cherub. Angels inspire humans. Cherubs inspire animals. Yeah, I don't think that's biblical. <laughs> it's, so it's her job to guide Nestor to Bethlehem, which she's written on her wing in ballpoint pen circa the year one. <laughs> Uh, and she can't tell Nestor what's in Bethlehem, saying only, Your ears can do a wondrous thing no other ears can do. The sounds they hear will guide you on a path that's straight and true. And you will save another as your mother once saved you. Yeah, I think uh, the reason why they say cherubs are the ones who talk to animals, because I'm pretty sure if there wasn't one of them, it was like the angels that are supposed to be a gigantic wheel of eyeballs that like spit flame. And yeah, that, that's not only is that terrifying to children, I just think that's probably impossible to animate. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Like, she's almost as scary as the ones they describe in the Bible. But yeah. Um, they Nestor couldn't get Alan Rickman. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they set this thing up where, like, he's going to save another so that he can save us all. That would be, like, the punchline if this were made. 
for like Lifeway bookstores now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Nestor doesn't want to have to travel so far, but Tilly tells him he wants you to, you know, and then a ray of sunlight from the heavens beams down on Nestor like, you better listen. Yeah, they were like talking about God without mentioning God here. Very much dancing around religion like they often do in these specials. Which is strange because they don't shy away from the fact, like, in the song, Roger Miller, it is a Gene Autry song, but they mentioned, you know, our uh, Mary bore our savior. Yeah. But don't mention God's name. It's like weird when they do it and then the other times when they dance around it. <laughs> like, I forget which one, but one of the other specials I've watched recently, they do that weird kind of... We're going to talk about it, but not too much. Um, kind of dance. Yeah. So. I mean, it's like listening to mumble rap. You know, most people aren't really listening to the words. They're just dancing to the beat while they're talking about, I don't <laughs> yeah. know, cheez and cheddar like, biscuits. You, usually, you would have somebody, you know, a lot of these things feel more comfortable mentioning, like, God, who could be, you know, lots of different interpretations mm-hmm. versus the very specific Jesus the Savior. But this one, they are, they'll talk about Jesus as Savior. We won't mention God. You <laughs> should use a bit more of that ray of light from the heavens to uh, convince us yeah. about things. But I digress. We get a little traveling music from Roger Miller in the form of the song, Don't Laugh and Make Somebody Cry. Don't laugh and make somebody cry. Don't make it rain from a sunny sky. Setting up the most amazing montage that confuses yeah. like yeah, time. The ocean. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure Nestor was running through like a Scott Pilgrim portal or something like that because there's no way he just run into Bethlehem, uh, Bethlehem between the winter solstice and the Christmas Eve or whatever they're like thinking their calendars on. And was there was that a flying reindeer with him? Ooh, could have been. <laughs> I thought because... the same thing, but if you notice, Nestor is running just as slow. So unless he's like <laughs> yeah, got the reindeer power like, seems to be going up the deer, and I was like, does this mean want Santa's reindeer or what? And then yeah, he's skiing on his ears, he sails with his ears. <laughs> I think they're just doing that weird thing they do in the, um, that Rankin Bass did in the Myths and Adventures of Santa Claus. I messed up the title, but, uh, where all of a sudden they're just doing a weird song and Santa goes from being a young man to being, like, a bearded old dude in, like, 25 seconds. Yeah. This is just Bester like going on a journey of ten thousand miles and aging up a little bit and done to a little song. How much time passes here? Because I took it to mean like a year's pass, like the winter solstice where he gets the socks, and then Christmas Eve when he takes Mary on her journey. We're not just four days apart. That's what I thought too. It's hard to tell. I don't know. I don't yeah, think it's not really a definitive timeline of Nestor. <laughs> yeah. We're putting more thought into it than anybody that worked on it did. <laughs> I didn't think about time passing as much as I I could buy that all right, you're coming from Scandinavia at Olaf's house in Finland or wherever, and then traveling down many lands as Tilly puts it to get to Bethlehem. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, all right, I'll buy that. But I don't know. But Tilly leaves Nestor near but not in Bethlehem, saying she has to go home now, and Poochie exits out of there back to the sky. <laughs> My planet needs me. <laughs> yeah, she she really just gets pulled right up there. There's no, like, no segue or anything. It's just... <laughs> just like, see ya! Gotta go home! <laughs> And right away, Nestor's found by our Paul Fries-voiced donkey dealer, where, again, he's teased by all the other animals, and no one wants to buy him, until Mary and Joseph arrive, and the song explains... One dark night, two strangers gave Nestor a surprise. They chose him from all others, for they loved his gentle eyes. The man was called by Joseph, and Mary was his bride. She needed help to Bethlehem, and Esther's back to ride. Uh, the lead up to that scene is so funny, too, because in the song or the narration, they're like, and Nestor found somewhere to stay. And here's like this semitic dealer coming out and like whipping him into the staple like at, and they portray it like he's just oh he's just choosing to chill out here with all these other animals right but time on his eyes was anybody else creeped out by mary's eyes the dead eyes but they like if i look was looking at him right they don't have pupils they blue. don't have pupils and she just kind of like she multiple times Tilts her head and just kind of stares off into the distance. Because yeah. at first Which, I was like, oh, I kind of like the design for Mary and Joseph. They're different looking than the typical Rankin-Bass characters. But then I saw her eyes and I was like, oh, no, I do not like that. They did the same thing. It's a blue-eyed thing. If it's a woman with blue eyes, for some reason they don't give them pupils. I think it is it Jessica in Santa Claus is coming to town. Because the same thing is with her eyes. So it's just these eyes are really blue. I remember that. It's been a long time since I watched that one. I'll take your word for it. It's creepy, though. (laughs) But the donkey dealer tries to pull a fast one, saying, Long ears are all the rage these days. It'll cost you extra. And that is when Mary tells Joseph, Let's get out of here. And then she turns on the glow. (laughs) It's like the glow from The Last Dragon. It just appears right at the end there. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like the donkey dealer show enough. <laughs> <laughs> and he suddenly just just uh take him a gift. And after the after they leave he says to himself, What made me say that? So I don't know if that's God doing that or that's just Mary turning on her immaculate aura, just it presents itself like God's ray of sunlight earlier, you better cooperate. It's that like pregnancy glow, I guess, times a million. Because there like, it is. You have a you have a deity inside of you, so you not only do you have the glow, you have a literal glow, and it's a yes. mind controller. So she could have been like Jean Grey, basically. So I guess we could have. <laughs> we should be very grateful that Mary was so benevolent. Yeah, she's like a Jedi. A pregnant Jedi. <laughs> Just the, with the robes, it's too perfect. You don't have to include this part. I'm just laughing. <laughs> <laughs> See enough of them at Disney. <laughs> so, well, so as Nestor carries Mary through the desert, they get caught in a sandstorm. And Roger Miller tells us Nestor at first thinks of just saving himself and bailing. But then 
then he hears Tilly's voice and remembers that poem about saving another as your mother once saved you. And then, <laughs> then his mom fusses him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's basically what happens. He hears his mother's voice, and you see her silhouette in the sky, telling him, "Listen to the angels and follow." I will follow them, mother. Hear and see a choir of angels, and Nestor finally realizes, one, he can shield Mary from the storm with his ears, which he probably could have thought of before that, Uh, and two, he finds the way out of the sandstorm and to the outskirts of Bethlehem. I mean, this is a donkey that literally was just thinking about bailing, so his ears probably wasn't his first priority. I guess. I mean, all he knew how to do with is, like, ski and sail. Protection he not use his ears for everything else at this point. So, of course, why would he think about <laughs> saving them? <laughs> right. Well, once in the city, we're told it was Nestor who thought, as all the inns were full, that a stable was a comfortable place for a baby. So it's presented as his doing that Jesus was born in a stable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, we in every Christmas pageant, it's always the innkeeper who offers the save. And he's not in the Bible. So it's okay. Just make up what whoever you want. In this case, Nestor. Right. I like the idea of using Nestor more than an innkeeper anyway. He should be who's in the church Christmas pageants. There and you go. Nestor like doesn't know any better when he's offering like a filled box for a pregnant <laughs> lady to give birth in. <laughs> well, let's yeah, let's get to that. We wrap up with Nestor returning home a hero, and even Olaf is like hoisting him up over his shoulders. Hang on, there's one part though. Before oh. we get to that, it's not really that important, but I, you know, we've got this whole thing about how we shouldn't laugh at Nestor because of his ears. But when they show the manger scene and everybody's there and Nestor's watching from a hill and he gets up to walk away and he trips over his ears, I laughed out loud at that part. It's so, <laughs> it's, it's so funny and out of place because you've got this like very somber, serious moment. Yeah. And then they include a pratfall. <laughs> and then ears nester. Ears nester. They're talking about an odd tone shift out of nowhere. They had that was their commercial break before the end, so they had to end on a on a high note. <laughs> it was the highest note, and then they needed to make it funny. <laughs> this donkey's misfortune and buy our toys. Well, we know Nestor does all right because Spieltoes his descendant. And speaking of Spieltoe, Santa's elves finally replace his nativity scene donkey with a proper long-eared one. And I'm kind of bummed this didn't catch on like a certain elf on a certain shelf. Yeah. Full disclosure, we we do not do the elf on the shelf at our house. My wife and I aren't fans of the whole Santa's watching you bit anyway. Yeah, I don't like that either. But I do enjoy seeing the silly stuff other families do with them on Facebook. So keep it up, mommy bloggers. (laughs) <laughs> I enjoy it for a few days, and then I'm like, okay, this is enough of that. You're just trying to one-up each other. Yeah, I don't have kids, so we definitely don't do the Elf on the Shelf, but yeah, I'm just not a fan, because they're creepy looking. I find a lot of things That's creepy it. looking, apparently, in this. I feel like my mom, I almost said my parents, my mom, had one that was on that model, but it wasn't a big one like that. Um, it was just kind of a rubber figure, and it's like lying on its back. Kind of with its arms behind its head, just chillaxing, and you can't bend it or anything. But that's what that reminds me of. Yeah. I don't know. If, I don't know. 
Um, even creepier than the Elf on the Shelf is my mother-in-law has these Annalise figures at Christmas of Santa and carolers and all kinds of stuff, and they are very creepy looking. No, oh, that's dear. total tangent. <laughs> Sorry. Are the Annalise figures the ones that kind of look like they have the sex doll face when they're singing carols? Or <laughs> my, I think it's like um, separate. I know what you're talking about. I don't think they're the same thing. Hold on. Okay. <laughs> Maybe... They're all making O faces, but the okay. Santa and Mrs. Yep. Claus and all are very are the ones that are super weird looking. Oh no, the Annalise ones are a little different. These are they're almost like plush. Oh, uh, but the Santa face is drawn on. Put them in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, it would be nice if the if like Nestor was a thing that caught on, just because Nestor himself is so cute. But then when upon rewatching this special, I'm like, there's a lot of this that doesn't make sense. And it's like that Rankin Bass where it's like it took 50,000 hours of like for <laughs> filming and slave driving Koreans in order to make this special. Hey, 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 they were Japanese. I look it up. OK, Japanese then slave driving Japanese people. I think we should just add some modeling clay onto the donkeys that are already in your nativity scene. You know, might build up the ears a little more. According to Silto, the reason why the donkeys don't look right is because of those elves. And you know those elves, I guess. I've seen a plush nester on Etsy, so you could probably get it there. But I haven't seen a nativity-sized one, so get on it. And on that note, if people want to send you a nice warm pair of ear socks for Christmas, where can they find you on the internet, Lindy? I am on Twitter at I Eat Video Games. And Brandon. I am on Twitter at BrandMed. I'm on Twitter at AdventCalHouse. Well, this show is anyway. I'm Fall West Mike. Uh, you can follow this show at AdventCalendar.house. That's a real website, I promise. Well, Brandon and Lindy will be back for our next episode to talk about another tale of a Christmas donkey. The superior donkey, in my opinion. Uh-huh. The Advent Calendar House is part of the Christmas Podcast Network. To find more shows like this one, visit ChristmasPodcastNetwork.com. We're the elves from Tis the Podcast. I'm Anthony. I'm Julia. And I'm Tom. And Tis the Podcast is a proud member of the Christmas Podcast Network. Join us each week as we rank, review, and discuss all your favorite Christmas movies and television shows. Sometimes we agree. Sometimes it's a verbal brawl. But each and every week is guaranteed to be fun. Come join us. Next time on the Advent Calendar House. Small boy.